Amela Enna Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Every 98 seconds, a person in the United States is abused. Every 16 hours, a woman in the United States is murdered by her romantic partner or ex-partner. Unfortunately, sexual abuse and harassment are still very common in the world. Manisha Mohan, a recent graduate from the MIT Media Lab, invented a sticker that can detect, communicate, and prevent sexual assault. Manisha explained the technology behind the sticker, how it works, and the different prototypes that were considered. Manisha Mohan, recent graduate from the MIT Media Lab, is joining us today. Manisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. Every two minutes, a woman is raped in the United States. You are working to prevent sexual assault using smart wearables. I saw the solution that you provide is called Intrepid. Can you explain a little bit about what this is? Yeah, so Intrepid was uh, created at the MIT Media Lab as a part of my research project and my thesis. The idea behind Intrepid is to detect, communicate, and prevent sexual assault in real time. We certainly trying to address sexual abuse via technology, and especially in scenarios when a victim is unconscious or not in a situation to fight against the assaulter. And I think that's where we got inspiration from. Because we were very heartbroken after the Stanford rape case incident. We realized that sexual assault on campus, in most cases, happened when a victim is unconscious, incapacitated, or doesn't have the ability to fight against the assaulter. And uh, we wanted to cater to those kind of situations at first. And as we started looking deeper, we realized that the similar situation very much happens with children or infants, or even elderly or disabled population groups who are target of sexual abuse. Yeah. So as a woman, I do understand how difficult it is to, you know, uh, force yourself to wear something just for the sake of safety, because I personally feel that the burden of safety should not be on the woman who is a victim. However, since we're living in these times where we need to certainly act upon these issues as if they are not just challenges of our daily life, but they're like diseases. So that's why we thought of coming up with a solution. And it's a wearable sticker which sticks to any kind of garment. It could be on your shirt, mm -hmm. bras, panties, innerwear, or like any form of clothing. And the way the technology works, it has an active system as well as a passive system. A passive system means that I am able to understand that somebody is trying to sexually abuse me or I can see a threat approaching me. And in that situation, I can press a trigger button on this sticker, which sends out alert and my location to five predefined safety uh, circle of mine. So these are people who have been defined by me, mm -hmm. who can reach out for help. Yeah. In such situation. I just wanted to bring up a point of what you mentioned that some people might think, sure, this is a very useful wearable to help prevent sexual assault, but the burden is on the woman to have to wear these things. But then we also have opposite decisions like 
what I saw that you mentioned in another interview in India, women in college, they are forced to return to their dorms by 6 p.m. or 6.30 p.m. just for safety. So that's the other solution that's not so great because men are spending time in the labs and doing experiments and learning things that you normally do after school, right? Whereas women, if they don't want to risk themselves, something happening to them, they go back to their dorms. It's very, very unfortunate that different countries have different ways of dealing with sexual abuse. Primarily uh, in India, since the society is a little bit conservative in the South, where I happened to do my higher education, my undergraduate degree, the system had a very different fundamental. They believed that if the victim is caged inside those dorms, they are safer. And by limiting the ability to learn or go to work at late night hours, they can protect them. But unfortunately, they try protecting us today, but they give up on our future and they force us to be great women. And I think I really had a lot of issues because of that. Yeah, that's part of the motivation then, I guess, for this to Yes, you have to wear something, but at least you can feel safer or have another tool to defend. Yes, indeed. Not just about safety of the person, but also a sense of uh, freedom, which comes along with the device. And more or less, it also helps parents in many ways, because I remember my mother calling me in the middle of the night, asking me, you know, if I've reached my dorm mm -hmm. and if my answer was no, she would be very frantic and she would not end up sleeping all night worrying about me. And even, you know, traveling in India at late nights wasn't something which my parents really approved of. But however, I was a rebel. I did that. But I know that's come with a cost. I mean, my parents always had to worry about me. And I know that my dad would not sleep all night because he would just be wondering if I reached my destination or I did not. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I moved out of my parents' house of several years ago, and I still sometimes <laughs> get those messages of, did you make it back from Exactly. Work? So, uh, yeah, it's a similar culture. So for those people that haven't seen what this wearable look like, you mentioned it's a sticker that can be placed in any piece of clothing. It can be placed into any piece of clothing. All it needs to be done is it needs to be hooked up with your phone using a Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And there you are up and running. It has a self-actuation button, which acts like a trigger button. Mm -hmm. You can activate it whenever you feel threatened. In case if the victim is unconscious, it tries to understand the acts of forceful removal of clothing mm -hmm. and then tries to verify with you if the act was done with your consent or not. So it sends a message onto the wearer's phone asking if the act was done with consent. And if it isn't, or if you're incapacitated or you're un not in a situation to answer to the phone, it certainly means that you're in danger. Mm -hmm. So it's that buzzing a loud alarm to get your attention. And if you still don't respond, then it sends out messages to people who are predefined in your safety circle. And... Uh, that's how we reach out for help. The loud alarm is itself very deafening. It starts, the pitch starts growing higher with the passing time. So yeah. What does it take to trigger this sticker to send an alarm? Is this about my heartbeat, the temperature changing, 
or clothes being ripped apart? What are some of the things that can trigger it? So the clothing has, uh, the sticker has been made along with the clothing in such a way that it records the usual way of removing clothing. So if I'm trying to remove my clothing, it knows that exactly what are the pressure points and how the forces are acting along the X, Y, and Z axis. Whereas if you look at the third person removing my clothing, the forces act very differently, you know? So we try to differentiate using an algorithm as to how a wearer would remove it as compared to somebody else removing it. And, you know, there are a lot of intimate, you know, points in our life and our partner is trying to remove our clothing, but then, you know, you always want to de-authenticate it with the wearer if that is with consent or not. So that is where the consenting part comes into picture. So for this, it helped you to compute these forces and then end up comparing them, right? Or through the algorithm, it determined a significant difference in this is a normal functioning way versus something's going wrong, right? Yeah. So the sticker learns by itself. In the beginning, you train it or it's just like one way trial. And then over a period of time, it just keeps learning it. I see. As in when you're removing. So there's a way of removing a brow versus a panty or uh, there's a specific way of removing, you know, bikinis. So it learns it over time as well. So it can be put on different kinds of clothing. And is it essentially the same shape and size or do you have different types of stickers? So the research which we did at MIT, it is a rectangular piece, uh, which we call it as a sticker. But you can obviously change the shape of it. Uh, the size which we've been playing around with is uh, one centimeter across five centimeter, which is approximately two inches in length. Mm-hmm. But you can obviously go bigger if, you know, different sizes, different types of garments, you can go bigger. But I would recommend the smallest to be one cross five. And I had a conversation with somebody here at MSR also working on wearables. For her case, what she mentioned is there's still issues with batteries and things like that. So I'm curious with this sticker, do you have to be wearing batteries? Indeed, uh, batteries is one of the limiting factors, but here in this device, in order to limit the usage of battery, we've uh, tried to make sure that the device only op- you know, turns on when a high signal is received. That means a higher pressure force that is above the threshold is received. And that's when it turns on. Mm-hmm. And that's also when the Bluetooth connection starts talking to the phone and things like that. Otherwise, it's all like silent dead. Well, that's great. I mean, I'm sure we're going to see a great improvement in batteries, but looking at optimizing it and just using it when it makes sense, it's a great solution. Mm -hmm. So we've been walking through it detects changes in pressure. Then you mentioned the next step is it sends a message to your phone, right? Yes. When does it decide it needs to send the message? Does it detect something is wrong? It immediately yeah. sends it or is there a time frame? So it detects, uh, the whenever it detects a forceful removal of clothing, which is mostly considered an unusual act of assault, we send out a message asking if it was done with consent or not. And if you're in your senses and you know, you're just playing out with friends and it's like just a casual thing you can always go and say yes it was with consent yeah but the idea is that if you do not respond within 30 seconds it starts buzzing a loud alarm and 
even if you're not able to turn off the alarm with a passcode, which is only known to the wearer, that means there's something serious because that's loud and it's deafening. And that's when we are alert and we're like, okay, that's a thing which needs attention. Mm -hmm. And that's when the information is communicated to other people. And the person specifies a list of people that should be notified, right? Exactly. That's done exactly when you're installing the device or when you're wearing it. So that's the first thing which the user has to do. They predefine five people who are you know, the best suited people for the security circle you're comfortable sharing the information with. It doesn't have to be police or an NGO if you're uncomfortable. Because in our studies, we found that some people were really, really concerned, especially students on campus. Mm -hmm. And recently, I was also talking to a student from a university in the United States. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing, East Coast or the West Coast. People do have concerns with the on-campus police because they think that they're biased and things like this. So, you know... It's okay if people don't want to put police in there. So that's why we give them liberty to choose that. What is the material of this sticker? So it's made up of a four-layer system. So the top layer is a conductive one. Below it, we have another thin sheets of conductive patches, but they are designed in such a way that they act as connectors and also help us know the pressure points for detection along the different axes. And the last layer is a conductive gel, which is adhesive material in itself. So that helps in basically making this a sticker. And the best part of this adhesive is that it can be reused. So there are times when, you know, you feel that, you know, it's running out of adhesiveness. You can obviously drop, you know, just pour a drop of water and it gets back into its shape and form. Oh, wow. Okay. So what you're saying is that adhesive sort of wears out, but just adding water regenerates it? Exactly. Okay. That's awesome. And the conductive aspects of this are just because it's a way to detect these forces and measure them? Yes. So there's one which records the stretch along the x-axis and the y-axis. But the different layers actually help us understand the forces along the perpendicular direction, along the z-axis. Mm -hmm. And that's what helps us to respond or recognize basically different people or the acts of removal of clothing. So the x-axis is basically trying to understand the forces and as well as the y, but the z-axis helps us understand how people are removing clothing. Yeah. And like you said, there's four layers. Starts with a conductive one, then there's a non-conductive one, which researching for this interview, I saw that it's to prevent short circuits from happening. Yes. Okay. What would mean if you remove this layer from the sticker? What happens? So below that, since we have a conductive layer, this it acts as a barrier, basically. And this non-conductive film it acts exactly like an accelerometer or a gyroscope in that sense. So the more pressure it takes in, it tries to inhibit the short circuit and also helps us understand to what extent the forces are acting in disease direction, in perpendicular direction. Yeah. Okay. So it wouldn't work, essentially, the sticker if you remove this non-conductive layer in the middle. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> 
Okay. So I would say it would be able to record all forceful activities. However, you know, the retention ability of just understanding who's doing it. Yeah. That part would be eliminated. So it will start triggering alarms even if you are trying to remove it. Okay, I see. And once you have a physical product like this, there are different steps to producing it. At the very end, I guess, is just big manufacturing. But when you were prototyping this, what was the process of making it? So we've come up with a lot of different ways to address sexual abuse. So we started with something which was very, very passive. And we were looking for inspiration from nature. So we went out in the wild and started thinking about what can actually prevent sexual arousal. Yeah. And we stumbled upon odor and, uh, you know, inspiration comes from skunk, you know. How would somebody feel like sexually aroused or feel like assaulting someone if there's so much bad odor around them? Yeah. So we came up with this capsule kind of a design. And my professor at the time used to laugh about this a lot. <laughs> you know, you're going to stink up the entire lab. But um, I, I actually did that. I did offend a lot of people in my lab, but it was so nice. Oh, no. They did tolerate it. But then that's where we started uh, looking at really passive solutions to sexual arousal. We did some beta tests at the lab and made these capsules like wearables. So they can be on your finger ring, in your ears, uh, earrings, and then you can like just puncture these capsules and emit the odor. And that's where we actually started from. And the reason why we did this research was because marital rape in India isn't recognized. And in, even in many states, 13 states in the United States. And we felt that if marital rape is not recognized and women cannot ask for justice, women can certainly revolt against not for not having to sleep with someone. They can certainly say no. Yeah. And in a marriage, it's very difficult to say no if, you know, you have no way to say it so why not do it differently and that's where the project came in picture it was called as caps at that time but since we started looking at such for this particular kind of activation you require a conscious human effort that you go and puncture it yourself or you know you trigger it and that's when we started thinking about situations like the stanford gang rape case which was very intriguing because a lot of students, even on the MIT campus, are sexually abused, and the numbers are very shocking. And we really wanted to cater through that kind of group, which really wanted help but could not call out for help. And that's where the human-computer interaction came into picture and thought of the sticker. So that's the thinking behind this. And what are the studies that you did to conduct and evaluate this design? Wait, is it a lot of interviews or people simply just trying the sticker and reporting back? So we had to do a bunch of studies. So I remember that when we were doing the uh, smell-based studies, we had to work with prostitute groups in India. So we went down to India, worked with sex workers there a little bit to get more information around abuse in that space. And then we tried doing some sort of feedback sessions with them. Whereas Intrepid is concerned, we went from basic interviews from college campus students to people who've been abused sexually by parents at a very young age or teachers. So 
you know, child sexual abuse to adults. We also did interviews with victims of assault who haven't been able to recover so far. We also had another testing session just to ensure that people wear it and test it out in a public setting and also in a lab setting. We also tested every aspect of it to even see the way the sticker sticks on, how long does it stick in different kind of fabric-based tests because we wanted to ensure that it sticks on to every kind of fabric, doesn't just come off. So we had all those fabric tests. We also had to do a lot of structural tests. So it goes from a wide spectrum, from like mechanical to software, from like interviews to lab tests, everything was included. Was there a surprising feedback or something that you remember that you didn't think of when you were first designing this? Like by talking to the sex workers or the students? Yes, actually, one of the things which was very, very surprising and uh, very intriguing was that we started in the beginning on the app. We expected that, you know, police should be a normal contact number on everybody's mobile application. So it should be a part of the safety circle. Yeah. But most participants decided not to have police as a part of the safety circle. And when we started reading their comments, one of those was very, very intriguing that they would feel uncomfortable sharing this information with the police or with people around them. And they left their safety circle blank because they would feel violated. And the reason why they would feel violated is because they are an immigrant in this country and uh, that would affect the job opportunities. And this is exactly after the travel ban. So the immigrant group on campus was very, very concerned about their safety. I see. And that was very shocking. It made me feel that fear is coming from all sides. And I just did not know how to respond or reach out to that participant because we certainly, you know, block their names and we have a coding system which doesn't let us see those details. But it was very unfortunate and I felt very weak that day. Yeah, that's pretty surprising, actually. And and also the one that you said just left it empty. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's see. What do you think it will take for it not to rely on the phone for communication? Yeah. So the other way to it is to have the entire system set up with cellular abilities inside the sticker. Mm-hmm. And that means having actually a, literally a circuit with cell phone abilities inside the sticker. Yeah. And that is something which would be a full-fledged technology. However, you know, I do see limitations in terms of batteries which exist for these devices. To be very honest, I would hope that Intrepid never is needed by anyone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but however, in order to help women or like to address women issues. We've been thinking about an initiative recently called as the World Women Technology Lab Initiative, where we can address women-related issues via technology. So, you know, if we're able to come up with technologies in that lab, which do not rely on cell phones, that would be amazing. Yeah. And You're also exploring solutions for the children and the elderly, like you mentioned earlier. 
what are some of those solutions or in, in what area are they? Is it uh, also sexual abuse? So to some extent, most of them are around sexual abuse and personal safety. It's compared, with, you know, in case of young children, when you look at situations, child abduction is a huge issue. And if you look at rural communities in Southeast Asia, most of the women, young girls are abducted at a very early age in rural communities. And the reason by behind abduction is that they will be probably used as sex workers in future. And uh, they're sold to other countries and It's very unfortunate. So I think if child abduction at an early age is sorted, probably we're going to have less issues related to forced sex workers. So that's an indirect way of addressing sexual abuse. In case of uh, personal safety for elderly and disabled groups, we've been looking at uh, different other ways related to personal safety, like, you know, how are they doing every day? You know, a lot of other things related to how their body behaves in general and looking at their daily activities and then trying to compute the signs of sexual abuse. So they're like different ways of doing it. But the idea is to make sure that personal safety is not an issue in future. Yeah. What I also think of is a couple months ago, I saw on the news, uh, two people that live in a house, they're elderly, but they're supposed to take care of them in this house. I forget the name of these places. But a fight broke and then the people in charge noticed a few minutes later. But I guess if they were wearing something like this, it would have triggered an alarm that they would know of. Yes. So other applications of Intrepid, which uh, did come up later, were related to safety in general, personal safety in general. A colleague of mine was mugged on a street and beaten up really, really badly in Cambridge. Wow. And... Uh, His cell phone was stolen. He could not reach out to anyone. It was 9 p.m., a cold winter night. And nobody could reach out to help because it was like everything was shut down. Yeah. And that's when I felt that, you know, if Intrepid would have been there on his body, maybe people could have reached out for help and like helped him in a situation like this. So outside sexual abuse, there could be applications in such cases. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Before we finish... I just want to talk a bit about your background. I found it really interesting that you mentioned you were trained as an automobile engineer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I hadn't heard about this before. Is this college? Oh, yeah. There's a university in southern part of India, which offers a course in automotive degree. Okay. And I was very intrigued by automotive engineering at the time because XPRIZE had come up with this lunar XPRIZE and people were thinking of making vehicles which could move on the lunar surface. And I felt like, you know, if I do automotive engineering, probably I'll be able to do this. So yeah. that's when I chose to, uh, you know, be a part of this course. Okay. However, in between my degree, I realized that, you know, I probably would be a very successful automotive engineer. Mm -hmm. But what about the women? Because every year my course would have lesser and lesser women and that was out of fear that you know it's a male-dominated engineering field not a lot of women are there maybe they were going to ask you to work under the trucks or like under the chassis and even my parents never wanted me to study automotive engineering at the first place I had to like literally threaten my parents that I 
would do something if you don't let me do automotive engineering. <laughs> okay. Well, well, at least you tried it and later you found something else, I guess. No. So I had to give up on my career, a job in automotive engineering, because I realized that if I don't give it up, then more women would not be feeling safe about doing a course like this, because parents would always be concerned about their kids and women If we need to give them freedom and ensure safety, we'll have to make devices which can help them do that. Because the system wasn't ready to change. The system was certainly forcing women to stay indoors for reasons of safety. Equal rights to education were not certainly not given to women. So, you know, if I want my safety and I really wanted to do good work, I would probably, you know, wear this device. If a device like that would have been there, then my parents would have been perfectly fine for me to join a course like this and work 24-7. Yeah. Did this actually affect you on your campus where you had to go back to your dorm very early? Oh, yes. Okay. Indeed. The director, the woman director of the institution that time called up my mother saying that we're going to suspend your student and child because she doesn't adhere to the rules of the institution. She likes to work in the lab late night and we cannot grant her any permissions. And she still breaks the rules. And she is very arrogant when we tell her that you cannot do all these things. And uh, we don't like these things. And she's trying to create a ripple. So my mother called me up crying and she's like, you know what? You're defaming the family. And uh, you said you're going to go and study there. And why can't you just behave like a normal girl and things like that? And that was horrible. And trust me, I felt that day that, you know, there is nothing which I can do in my life because I'm being limited, not just by this institution, by my parents, by the society. And even if I want to learn, there's so many issues. And what should I do next? But then, you know, my dad was standing there as a rock for me. So that really helped. But there are times when, you know, such rules and regulations force children who really want to study to like give up on studying. Did you end up staying late hours after that or did you sort of have to conform? So this was in my third year of engineering. So I decided that I would go and study in a different, like do my internships in a different institution. So I ended up spending my December break somewhere else. And then in the final semester, I just went to Sweden and I was like, ha, huh, I'll just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very different. But yeah. All right. Well, Manisha... It was a pleasure talking to you about this project with you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. 